We are ready for Revelation 17 as we go, uh, what we do, what's called expository, but we a book of the Bible and we go at it a uh, verse at a time, and that's where we are. So we've been going through the book of Revelation, and so we're up to and ready uh, to chapter 17. We're nearing the end, but we have a few weeks of some uh, dark road to hoe, and um, interesting topics too that I think will kind of awaken you to things that maybe even we see going on today. Not even maybe. I know we're seeing what's going on today, but how much to disclose is usually where I find myself and what I see and what I say. Uh, Revelation 17 is an explanation chapter. I mean, it's describing the details of events that have already happened. As it goes through, you know, it's told us a few things. These things happened. The angel said this, and this goes on and kind of keeps that flow of the text going. And then we have a chapter like 17 and 18, they go back and then give us some details of the events that happened there. And so that's what, that's what we're in. We're in some, some details from events that happened in Revelation 14. In Revelation 14, verse 8, it's one little verse, but it's vial number 2. So they had the vial number 1 that was poured out, and vial number 3 that, would have been, that, that happens. And so here, this is vial number 2. So Revelation 14, verse 8. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, the great city, because she made all the nations to drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. An angel flies through and declares this to the world, lets them know it, that the Babylonian system has fallen, that it is done. Babylon means confusion. What a perfect name for this wicked city, confusion. That's what it's spent its entire time doing confusing things, confusing mankind, running interference between God and men. Its very roots and its beginning were a message contrary to God's word. God is not the author of confusion. He does everything decently in order, and God's order is never out of order. And He shows us that through Scripture. He tells us how to approach Him. He tells us what to do. He tells us what He expects. He tells us what He expects from us and all these things. Yet here we have a message that's gone forth from God, and Babylon is founded at trying to sow confusion and disobedience to God's Word. Uh, Genesis 11 is the origin of that. We're, we're not going to read through it. Most of us know the, the, the Tower of Babel story. But in Genesis 1, verse 28, God told man to be fruitful, to multiply, and to subdue the earth. Or that means to fill the earth, to go and have babies and, and fill the earth up. And in Genesis 11, we have the people after the flood led by a leader named Nimrod, whose name means the rebeller, or we will rebel. Uh, he is the grandson of Ham. He is the great-grandson of Noah. So this is three generations after Noah. He establishes an empire in Assyria, and we'll see that that is a key indicator. The Bible tells us some things about a man who's coming called the Assyrian. We'll look at that here in some future weeks. But he starts this city, establishes a city called Babylon. And Babylon has been called the cradle of civilization. It's on the bank of the river Euphrates. Right there where all these things stem. And he says, let's not do what God said. Let's not go forth and let's not go and subdue the earth. Let's stay here and we're not even going to use God objects. We're going to make man-made things. Let's make bricks and we'll make mortar. We'll stick it together and we'll make a false mountain. We'll build this city. We'll build a tower that we can reach up unto God. And Hug comes down. We know the story. And he scatters them. He confuses the language. They are of one language. He scatters their language. He confuses them. He's like, you want to sow confusion? I'll confuse you. They confuses them and then they spread over the face of the earth. And that ties into a lot of this. That it goes to this common point of this origin. And there's lies and there's things that happen there that, that get dispersed around the earth. And, and, and we'll look at those in future weeks as well. We won't this morning. But uh, 
we'll see how things have its common goal, its common tie, all the way back to Babylon, and Nimrod, and stories that come from there. Answers in Genesis uses that as a proof text, and that uh, there are flood stories all around the world because we all came from the Tower of Babel, and they all have that same flood story, the same history, and they take it, then all these cultures have that. Uh, there's false religion that comes out of the same way, uses that same system and spread that comes back to a common origin there at the Tower of Babel with Nimrod and the people there. So what's hidden in the context of the Bible, kind of throughout it, is that Babylon is also the birthplace of false religion. That it's man's method of trying to reach God or to become gods comes through and has its origin at Babylon. Babylon is a counterfeit city. It's man's way to try to do things his way, not God's way. It's a city of confusion, so in confusion where people are like, why are there so many religions? Why are there so many different ways? It's a direct, direct result of, of man's rebellion and trying to do this, led by men and led by other spirit creatures as well, as far as the, and the devil too. So whatever God said to do, they offer up a contrary answer. They offer up an opposite way, another way, an alternative. And that's where we get all these false religious systems. I'm sure that as I was writing my notes, I would write some, and a little bit later I'm like, oh, I think it's some more, and come and put them in, and I'm sure this isn't exhaustive, but sorcery has its origin in Babylon. Paganism, occultism, astrology, prognosticators, guessing the future. God has prophet. The world has their version, you know, prognosticators, you know, your Nostradamuses and Edgar Casey's and those guys. Uh, magicians, you know, God can perform miracles. Satan has his counterfeits. Witchcraft superstitions, you know, where God tells us things and there's those who are afraid of omens and signs and, and we're not to be fearful, but they bring in these superstitions. Cults, uh, false religions, the twisting of God's word and branching things off and making it all these other different ways and why there's all these uh, different types of religious systems. They offer the world other ways. God says this, a man says, oh, it doesn't have to be that. And then they pick their own ways. Proverbs 14.2 warns us, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof are the ways of death. You get off this path. You get off God's path, the true way, the narrow way. There's a broad way and there's a smorgasbord of options out there, but they all lead to the same place, destruction. Uh, in the back of the church, I have a panel from a chick track that struck me as a young man, and so I hung it up out there for the exact purpose of trying to entice our young people to think about this, and it shows the broad way and people walking off and falling to destruction. But the narrow way, and people there at the mouth of the entrance trying to get people off the broad way to cut up this narrow way that leads unto life through the gate, through Jesus Christ. And so I wanted that to try to stir their imagination. There's something about imagery, pictures that uh, stir me up. I want to stir that up in the youth to, to help them think these godly thoughts. And it, it does my heart good every time I see a, one of the young ones out there studying and looking at it, and some of the older ones too, bending down and looking at it and seeing, because it, it does stir that imagery of, there's a broad way that leads to destruction, but there's a narrow way that leads into life. The world offers up a broad way. Sometimes they even name it that. Right, broad way, and have all these plays and things that go on. But Revelation 17, verse 1, we'll get into our text here. Revelation 17, verse 1 says, And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. So one of these angels who poured out the vial, I don't know if it was angel one, angel two, we don't know, this is one of them. 
I don't know, <laughs> i, I got to play the picture in my mind. It's like he's pouring his thing out, he's had his time on the stage, and he stood off, and he's watching the other angels pour their, off, pour their uh, judgments down on the earth, and they see John witnessing these things, and then he comes over to explain portions of this to him. And I find that natural. I find that's how it, probably how it would be. It's easy for me to imagine in my mind as these things play forth. And so he does this. The angel comes over, and he uses some strong language to describe the city, stuff that we wouldn't use in polite conversation. But it's God's word, and it's God's angel. And he's, uh, he says, uh, this is the best word that describes what this is. And it calls her the great whore. The Bible defines the word whore as a prostitute, a harlot, an indulger of unlawful acts for money or just for lust. And here's the one that really ties it all together. It's an idolater. God always associates idolatry with fornication, with unfaithfulness. Uh, see, because fornication is a fake love. It's a, it's a fake closeness. It's something that's not real, that you're fooling yourself. And this false religion is false. It's all wrong. It's not the right way. It is just like prostitution is a fake marriage for the night. This is a fake system that you're not getting right with God. It's a lie. It's a deceit. You're fooling yourselves in this. And it just leaves you more soiled and more tainted because of it. It doesn't leave you closer. It doesn't leave you satisfied. It doesn't answer any of the problems that you're looking for. If anything, it just builds more and the desire to sin all the more grows within you. So God chooses His Word wisely and He uses this Word See, because God sees all false religions, all cults, all sects, all theories, all adultery, all as adultery, as unfaithfulness to Him, as unfaithful to the truth, that there is the way, there is one way, and yet the world is putting out, oh, but there are many ways. God has not said, I remember having a conversation with someone one time, they're like, Brian, we're all just trees reaching for the sun. And I'm like, that might be a good ecumenical word to say. I said, but none of the trees make it. You know, there's no ways to reach it in that idiom. I have a way that, that leads into life. It's not man reaching up to God and trying to do religious things. It's God reaching down to man, sending his son to die on the cross for us. That is Christianity. So vastly different than any religion. We are not religious. We are Christians. We are following the way that Jesus Christ has told us. So here's a few things this reveals to us as we are going through the book of Revelation. We see that we are hitting milestones in reverse. Genesis starts out with Adam and Eve and it plucks along, you know, and there's the flood and then there's the Tower of Babel and then we have the calling of the nations and we go through these things. Now as we're playing these things in reverse, we are back to the Tower of Babel. We are back to Babylon. We're back to, back to that. And so when you look at the bookends of Genesis and Revelation and you start boiling it down, and I sometimes like to do that, I like to boil it down to, to simple, one word, two word, you know, short phrases to help understand things. There's been a few ways that the people have described the Bible. The Bible is sometimes called the story of two women. And here we see this played out. The woman of Revelation 12 is Israel. We spent some time in Revelation 12 going through that, proving to you that it was Israel. He uses symbols all the way back to Joseph's story, things that were there showing us that they are who they are. You know, the woman who gives birth to the child and the dragon's ready to eat it. And, and we went through all this. You know, talking about the Israel gives birth to Messiah. You know, I'm not just talking about Mary, but, it, but it's on a grander scheme. And so it is Israel. And then we here we find out here's this other woman, the harlot of Babylon. The world system and God's system. Who survives? God's way or the world's way? Which one will prevail throughout this story? Which one wins at the end of the time here? We're going to have it played out. Man's way 
or God's way. That's how you can see it. God's system through Israel or man's way through the whore of Babylon uh, as it plays forth. And they're both described as women. The Bible also is sometimes called the tale of two cities. Uh, there's the city of God, Jerusalem, and there's the city of man, Babylon. We see that here kind of brought to the forefront. That should make you then pause and go back as you reflect on things, maybe later this week, and see how it is. It's like, oh, here's their system versus here, this system. I mean, I think Babylon's mentioned some 300 times throughout the Scripture. It is constantly there when you think of the Babylonians. You think of Nebuchadnezzar. You think of Daniel and the, the, the things that he has going on there. It's the same city, the same places that, that come battling up. Other empires come in and will establish, like if you can get Babylon, you make it your head of your operations. So they would try to do that even into modern day. It's kind of a good litmus test on how you would interpret the Bible. There was a big debate, say 1800s, 1900s, you know, would Israel actually be a nation again? Would they ever come back? And the most of the world was cited on the think, no. That's where replacement theology comes from. The church has replaced Israel. They've lost it. They've forfeited it. God's now put his, his blessing on the church. And so, no, Israel will never be a nation again. And then Israel becomes a nation. And, and then the debate was, hey, there's talk about Israel becoming a nation. They're, they're getting together. And if they declare their, their nationhood, um, what are they going to call themselves? And, and the odds are, the money-winning favorite of the day, they were going to call themselves Judah. Everybody had almost thought it was locked, locked in, you know, that they were just going to call themselves Judah because Judah was the last one that came out. You know, there's the house of Israel when the kingdom was divided and Judah down south. Judah was the faithful one. They're all like, they're going to call themselves Judah. You know, Hitler had called them, you know, Jews, you know, and they had the Judah star on it, written Judah on it, they, the nation of Judah. And so they, they kind of been identified in this way. And so they were shocked when I think it was a Ben-Gurion who comes out and says, no, we're going to call our name Israel. Would Israel be reborn again? You know, there are Bible scholars that said, if we're going to follow the Bible literally, yes, Israel would be back. Israel will be a nation again. That should have removed all doubt. Is the Bible literal or not? We have a literal nation of Israel in Israel, in the land today, with Jerusalem as its capital. That opens up the other debate, this tale of two cities. Is Babylon a city? Is Babylon going to be occupied? Is Babylon going to be the center of things? I'm going to say, yeah, because the Bible says so. And because it was right on everything else, why would it be wrong in this? We do live in the age after Saddam Hussein, who went through and rebuilt most of these things. There is a, a city that is there. Is it the head of things? No. But boy, as we watch things come upon the earth and look prophetically, a lot of people ask, where is the United States and all these things as it all plays out? Many people say the United States is Babylon. And the United States does a great job of trying to fight for the title. New York will claim to be Babylon, the city of Babylon. Los Angeles tried to be the city of Babylon. You know, Hollywood, Babylon, you know, they cry out for it to the point where the building in which they perform the Oscars is built and styled after a Babylonian temple. It's surrounded by Babylonian gods, and they have Babylonian imagery all on the inside, and they will call themselves Babylon, even a lot of their acceptance stuff. You can watch that. An interesting one on that the other day where they come right out. We are Babylon. We are doing these things. And so they sure claim the title. But we're going to see that's the mystery of Babylon, the spirit of Babylon. What if something happens to America where we're no longer the juggernaut in the world empire that we are because of our sin and because of our rebellion and because of our turning our back on God? Where would the UN maybe relocate? Where might they go? Might it be Babylon? I don't know, but I would say that'd be a keen thing to watch uh, here in the future to see how the importance of these things come to the forefront. Or does it just stay the spirit of Babylon? Uh, we know the spirit of Babylon is everywhere, and especially in the next few weeks we'll see it even more and bring it to your recollection. But maybe, just maybe, the city itself will be cast 
as the capital. Uh, Tim LaHaye in the Left Behind series had the UN lead their council there, so, so maybe so. Ever wonder why the world hates Israel so much? We know a lot of reasons. It's where Messiah was born. It's because God picked it as his city. Maybe it's because it's the enemy. It's God's city versus the world's city, you know, Babylon. And so it's, it's a battle. It's a war. We're in a war. The Bible tells us constantly, you're in a war. You're in a battle. You need to suit up. You need to put on the whole armor of God. You need to put on your gospel boots. You need to put on that belt of truth. You need to be, you know, armed with the sword of the word. We have all these things, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. You know, we're, we're to be armed with all these things for this war and we're fighting a spiritual warfare. There's cities that are at battle here. So yeah, they hate Israel. They are against Israel. They are against them when Olympic committees get together and they don't even enter Israel as a city in the programs. They don't allow them to march under a flag and they'll have Palestine come in. There's not even a place and never has been. Oh, they'll do that when the UN puts more sanctions against this tiny little nation than any other nation in the world combined. That tells you they are against them, that they oppose them. When all the surrounding neighbors of them want to see them annihilated and that's all they're striving for. That should tell you that there's something going Going on just by looking at the enemies that should tell you where the main important things are just like in the time of christ uh, whenever we were missing them listen to the enemies you know like in the pharisees would say this blasphemer has just said that they're going to destroy his body and he'll be he'll be alive again in three days let's, let's put a watch around it you know they got it he, he just claimed to be god you know so they pointed out all these things the enemy is pointing out key important things that are important to god israel is an important thing that they become a cup of trembling in these last days they're just being loyal to their own the world is. Uh, they're going to be strong and for Babylon, and they're going to be against Israel just because that's their nature. That's who they are. It's their citizenship is with them. They are the inhabitants of the world, the earth dwellers. Uh, verse 1, let's read that again. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Sitteth upon many waters. That should be something that kind of catches you there. In Revelation 13, we said that waters are there. It was the seas were people. Let's go back and look at that. So it's Revelation 13, verse 1. It's easy to remember Revelation 13. It's, uh, I think, 13. You think of the unlucky 13. This is the beast chapter. Revelation 13, 1 says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. There's a lot of imagery there that should ring a bell with us when we get there to Revelation 17. But we see that uh, this beast comes up out of the sea, you know, rises up out of the, uh, rise up out of the sea. And we, we said back then, as we were interpreting that, that it was the sea of humanity, it was the sea of nations, it was the sea of the world, it was people. You know, out of this, the Gentile churning sea, that's how the uh, Jews kind of viewed it, you know, it was unrest, you know, and all this going on. It was the humanity, the nations, and the people. In Revelation 17.1, it says, uh, The great horse sitteth upon many waters. And the same thing, it sits upon many waters, many peoples, many nations. And you might say, well, that's a real good guess, Brian, but can you back that up with anything? And I'll say, yeah, I'll use an angel to back that up. How's that? No, don't take Brian's authority for it. Let's take an angel's interpretation for it. So um, we have in chapter 17, I cheated, I read ahead, and um, uh, the angel describes some of these things to us. So look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, They saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where uh, the horse sitteth, are peoples and multitudes, nations and tongues. And so when we come up with these answers to these 
pictures when we talk about mountains and we talk about the sea and all that. We're basing it from other portions of Scripture, line upon line, precept upon precept. The key to unlock this and read this map of the Bible is hidden within the text. And so you're to study it and to know it and the diligent are rewarded for it. I'm not just saying I'm diligent. I stand on the shoulders of diligent people that, that bring these things up. So the waters that the beast or the beast that the whore is sitting upon are peoples, multitude, nations, and tongues. That's how you can describe the people of the world. People of the world. She is supported by the world. She is supported by the nations. Look at John 15 real quick before we come to this text. John 15, Jesus speaking. John 15, verse 18 says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Jesus says, the world hates me. And if you love me and if you reflect me and I have chosen you, the world's going to hate you. But the world loves its own. He's told us that right out. It's to help us make decisions. It's to help us to discern what is good and right, what is biblical, what is unbiblical, what is Christian, what is non-Christian. He has told us in advance. So we need to open our eyes. We need to watch our news and see it on the Internet and in the media. When it's right there in front of us, when it's being displayed, whose side they are on and what is happening. You know, they are for every religion in the world but Christianity. They will stand up and they will defend the most vile things and say, you need to be accepting, you need to be loving, unless it's Christianity. Islam can bomb two of our towers and attack uh, the Pentagon and plan another plane, probably for the White House or something like that. And the main message that the media put out through all that was that this is a religion of peace. You know, Don't you judge them for who they are and what they do. This is a religion of peace. That don't look too peaceful to me. These guys are the zealots, the ones who believe what the words actually say. They're not the anomalists who sit around and do nothing. No, these are the ones who are living the text out loud, and yet they defend them. They'll stand for them. They'll fight for them. Islam's grown in our nation since then because they've done their job well. The media puts it out in front of you and the, the masses just consume it, swallow it whole and take it in. Uh, the Mormons put on an Olympic opening show showing their founding and the, form, the founding of their cult based on um, polygamy and all kinds of other stuff and, and murder and, and lies and deceit. And the world applauds them. And what a show and how they put it on and how the Mormons established it. There was never, there's no separation of church and state here. This is something on a global scale. Uh, Satanism is in our music. It's in our Hollywood. It's in our play. It's in our TV shows. It's in politics. And it's fine. It's great. Matter of fact, let's put a Baphomet statue on the courthouse. Any place that there's a Ten Commandments display. Let's make sure you put it out there. Oh, Baphomet, a goat-headed man, you know, making rude symbolism with children there, waiting in line, looking at him adoringly like they want to sit on Santa Claus's lap. And people stand around and applaud it and say, yes, this is awesome. This is great. We need to have this. And the media covers it and says, well, if we're going to have equal opportunity, this is great. This is wonderful. We need to have it. The Arch of Baal. The Arch of Baal, brought in by nations. The Baal is, is the, we're going to find, is another name for Nimrod or these uh, ancient pagan religions that go all the way back to Babylonia. These nations pay to have this arch. The arch uh, was an archway to enter into their temple. The Taliban blew it up. And then the world has like, championed the cause. They 3D print a model of this arch 
And anytime there's a big world meeting, the G7 getting together and all this stuff, they reassemble this Arch of Baal, who you worship by sacrificing babies to. And so wonder why, you know, one of the big agendas that they even try to sneak through in the bailout bill to try to help us as we've been off work is to make sure we get the funding for the Prime Parenthood in there because they're worshiping Baal still in the forefront of our minds and we should see it. But the world's like, yes, set up this arch. And yes, we'll have a big unveiling. And oh, we're so amazing by letting this ancient religion be set back up into our nations. Oh, we set up in cities and veil with all kinds of pomp and circumstance. The Pope comes to town and oh, all the news anchors will put on their prayer beads and they'll all go sit down and they'll bow down and they'll want to kiss his ring if they get an audience with him. They'll put it all there. The Dalai Lama the wise one who will share with us and oh, we can't wait to get his great wisdom and they'll bow down and they'll curtsy to him just to have a chance with him. Why would they accept all these? Well, they reject Christianity because they're all Babylonian in their origin. They all go back to the same common point. The world accepts their own. They reject him. They're all coming out of the same water. They're all drinking out of the same well. The world's attempts to be godly, seeking any kind of entry into heaven except through God's way. The one way, through the door, Jesus Christ, who is the sacrificial lamb who died for us. Verse 2 talks of this union. Revelation 17, verse 2. Revelation 17, 2 says, With whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Yeah, they participated with her. The kings of the earth, Committed fornication with her. She offered up something. They took it right in. They applauded it. We'll put it on the news. We'll say, you should do it. We'll make it cool and trendy. Put that in your TV shows. Put that in your sitcom. Witchcraft? Oh, make witches a Waverly Place. And twinkle your nose and say, you know, bewitched. And, and make it all cool and trendy and put it all out there. And we'll feed it to the masses. And we'll say it's great. And we'll say it's wonderful. And um, we'll just say it's all right, you know. Uh, all your heroes that get together, cover their eye and sing their songs and put out their demonic clothing lines. Look at Celine Dion's clothing line for babies. You know, look at something that's horrible. Um, yeah, go, go and look all just to see what they do. Uh, they'll, they'll do all these things. They'll participate with her and all she has to offer. And all her ungodly, unbiblical ways, they embrace them. They say they are here that they are drunk on the power. They are drunk on what she has offered them. And they've been made drunk on what she's given them. That they participate to the point where they indulge in it because um, of how wicked they are. The whole time they're doing it, they are feeling spiritual. They are feeling better. They was oh, I did such a spiritual thing. I performed a spirit cooking ritual. And I, and I did this mystic type of thing. And we drew a pentagram on the ground. And we walked through a graveyard. I went down a, a prayer path. And I, I did prayer tarot cards. Or I, I put a ring on a string. And I asked questions. Or I did a Ouija board. And ooh, it was such an experience for us. And they feel so close to the other side. Yeah, you're close to the other side. The demonic side. The side that's opposite the light. You're going to the darkness. And yet the world runs to it. And they embrace it. And they're infatuated by it. The stuff that the big tech companies are doing now with micro doses of LSD, thinking that they're getting information from alien creatures, but they're actually talking to demoniacs on the other side and releasing information unto them. Just like Jesus said, it'd be like the days of Noah all over again before he judged the earth. If you think I'm making it up, look it up. Verse 3, they go on. So he carried, I'm talking about the angel, he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. He gets carried into the wilderness. Here the angel takes John into the wilderness and, and shows him a scene playing out. And 
some reason in my mind, I picture him, he's like, he's up kind of in the tree line, and then there's an open and clearing down there, and John's able to peek through the trees, and he sees this play out. I don't know that's how it is. That's how my mind draws it every time I've read it ever since I've been a kid. <laughs> so he's peeking through, and he, and he sees these things as it plays out. And there's a woman riding a scarlet-covered beast, and the beast is covered with blasphemous names all over it. And it has seven heads and ten horns. And you can Google the Internet and see illustrations of this. And well, matter of fact, you can look up the European Union. It's stamps and it's uh, covers of their magazine, a woman riding a beast. That's a symbolism that they use for their own stuff there. But this is imagery that should be fresh to us because we just read it in Revelation 13, <laughs> uh, that there's a beast and his name and he was full of blasphemies and had seven heads and ten horns. And so, yeah, the woman rides the beast. Yes, that beast. Call him the Antichrist in modern day culture, but he's the beast. And the false, this is a political power, it's a person, that's kind of two things, it's two parts. It's, it's actually a political system, but it's headed up and embodied in one person, the beast. And the woman, this uh, whore, this false religious system, rides whoever's in power. She'll conform. She's a shapeshifter, just like the devil. The devil is a shapeshifter. Beware, he transforms himself into an angel. He can transform himself into whatever it is you want to see or he wants you to see. And so, yeah, they say, oh, Babylon's in charge? Or the beast is in charge? Oh, you can trust the Babylonian system. We'll take everything that you have. We'll take today's religion and we'll make it conform to what it is that you have. See, the Bible is black and white. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It does not change. It's an ancient landmark that God has established. But the world's religions shift and change with the culture and the changing of time. Uh, that's always one of the arguments for um, homosexuality, transgenderism, uh, gay marriage and all that. It's an ancient book. It's an ancient document. That's right. And it tells us the right way and it tells us the wrong way. Where modern day wants to compromise. Babylon is alive and well with the compromise of let's embrace it. Let's take it in. Let's adopt it. You know, we've got to be modern. We've got to be trendy. We've got to be all accepting. No, you don't. You have to be following what God has to say. Uh, most rituals and things that are performed in false religions and their cults today have their roots in the Babylonian system. And so here, as she rides the power of the beast and says, yes, I'll just come alongside with you. Yes, usher me forth. And she says, oh, you want to worship a man? You want to worship this beast? We can do that. You want the world to take a mark? Certainly we can facilitate that and work it into our rituals and our things. We'll just change whoever it was and we'll add your name to it and we'll add it to it as we go through and we'll look how they've done that through history in the upcoming weeks. And how many of the things that uh, you and I have even seen and maybe even participated in have their origins in Babylon. The beast here, we'll look at later in some detail. There's some details we need to bring forth. We talked about him in Revelation 13. I've saved some things for here in these chapters as it talks about him and what he's doing. To speculate where he's from, his origins, some of the verses about him and what is going on. And so and some surprising things in a surprising way is the Bible prophetically... You know, we look at things, you know, told in advance. They're fulfilled in the future. But as the Jews look at it patternly, uh, what kind of type, what kind of pattern is there in the Old Testament uh, that'll be played out by the Antichrist or by the beast? There's a shocking and a surprising one in the Old Testament that even has the same number uh, linked with his name. And so we'll spend some time to look at that. But verse 4, for the sake of this morning, let's move forward. Verse 4, And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand, full of abomination and filthiness of her fornication. She is wealthy. She is made rich from all these people bringing things into her by being 
so conformative by selling herself as so powerful that the world, the world has even has, um, one of her strongholds even has ambassador. Our country has an ambassador to a world religion? Hmm. I thought we were separating church and state, but oh, we all bow down to it and put his names and his quotes in the newspaper each and every day and we'll flock to hear what he has to say. And I will say, look at the color of his shoes. Ask yourself about his hat. Look at some things that go on inside the Vatican and see where they originate and what they actually say and what they actually think. She takes all this in. She takes all these lies and it makes her wealthy. She becomes rich. It's purple. It's the colors of some Roman leaders, scarlet, decked with gold and precious stones and pearls and having a golden cup of the handful of abominations. She can drink through any of it. And the filthiness of all her fornication. She has so many tools at her fingertips. So many things like, what is it that you want? What is it you're seeking? What is it that your soul desires as a way that seems right into your heart? I have a religion just for that. Built and modeled just for you. Drink. Drink of the cup, and she offers it to him, and the world does, and they pay her back with money, with the homage that they give unto her. Verse 5, and upon her forehead was a name written. Before we read it, they say in uh, the Roman times that the, the prostitutes, a lot of them had headbands that would have their name on it, or maybe even specialties, or, but it would have their name upon their, their head, so you at least knew the person's name uh, before you do things. And so here, you know, he is taking that imagery that they knew. He says, uh, she's got a name written on her forehead, and it tells us who she is and what it is you're getting involved with. So, Revelation 17.5. And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth. It's all capitals. Is it all capitals? It's all capitals of mine. It's all capitals in yours. It should be. Because in the original manuscripts, it's written in this bold face, all capital type, trying to get our attention. Who is this? She is the mother of harlots. Not only is she a harlot, she's the mother of all other harlots. If some new diverse branch folds out there, it's because it's got its origin in her and it takes it this way. And she's full of all the abominations of the earth. You're like, well, maybe there's some new thing. Well, Solomon told us that there's no new thing under the earth and it all has its origin back to here. So yeah, she is the mother. All these things were birthed in Babylon. We have some interesting weeks ahead of us. Hopefully, your eyes will be open to the world system, to false religion, to religion that's real close to Christianity, but has its poison intermixed. Decons, 99% good food. It's that 1% poison that gets the rats. You know, they eat it, and they eat it, and they eat it, and it's enough to kill them. And if you're wrong on Jesus Christ, you're wrong on everything. If you're wrong on the resurrection, you miss eternity. If you're wrong on... So many details in the Bible, just little areas here and there, you're wrong at all. You can have a way that, there's a way that seems right into it, man. There's a form of godliness, and it says that about the last days, that they'll have a form of godliness, but they'll deny the power thereof. And sadly, that's a lot of Christianity today. There's a lot of fearfulness going on. If we know who ones who holds the future, there shouldn't be any fear. We can have questions, we can have concerns, but it shouldn't be an unexorbable fear that consumes you. Trust Him. Trust the one who knows the future. The Bible tells us, Paul tells us, examine yourselves daily to make sure you're in the faith. Make sure you're right. Are you right? Do you have the right God? Do you have the right way to approach Him? What's God say about this? Are you making it up yourself? You're making it up yourself. You're wrong. This Bible tells us on how to approach Him. 
And the way that seems right unto you is the way of death. So don't go with this. Go with the Bible. Don't go with me. Go with the Bible. That's why I take you to the Scriptures. That's why I have you turn and read. That's why we usually flip a lot. I want you to see it on your own. I want you to see it right there. And There's no private interpretation. There's a way that we read these things together. So yeah, we want to have our eyes open. But there's a mystery. It's like in a spiritual sense. There's a, there's a spiritual Babylon that is going throughout the earth. It's the great... The mystery of Babylon the Great. Because great, this is a great mystery. This is a great deception that is upon the earth. The mother of harlots. She's birthed all these wrong ways and abominations, all the bad things on the earth. She's the origin of it. So we're going to have to take some time maybe next week. And we'll look at the origins. We'll look at the origin story of the false religion that comes out of Babylon. Hints of it throughout Scripture. It'll show itself here and there, Tammuz and the things that happen there and and we want to examine and make sure that we have the right way. We don't have the wrong way. We could do everything right and perform things right here. But you put a wrong emphasis on communion or baptism, you know, it puts everything all out of whack. Jesus Christ is a cornerstone. Jesus Christ is, is the keystone. Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and his resurrection, on which it all hinges. Do you have the Son? Do you have it right with him? If you do, then you can have everlasting life. You need to realize that you're a sinner. You need to repent of your sins and trust in Jesus Christ to save you, not your works righteousness. That's Babylon. That's, that's Babylonian. That is works righteousness, trying to earn your way, trying to prove your way, trying to, uh, to do something to show your worth unto God. No, we are in a battle. We are in a war. We need to be wakened up to it. Whose side are you on? You on the poor Babylon side? Or are you inside Israel's side? Are you on uh, Jerusalem side? You're on the Babylon side. Whose, whose city are you going to be in? The New Jerusalem? Here we see Babylon falls. It is destroyed. We're just now looking at the details of it. Are you on the Lord's side? Are you right with Him? If you are, then rejoice in the victory and rejoice that you have been, your eyes have been opened and your ears have been opened and you see the wickedness and you, you avoid it and you travel down the right path. The Word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. If you're confused and you're not sure, now's the time to make yourself sure. Now's the time to know, study it, and ask, and, and come to a right conclusion. Are these things right? Am I believing right? Am I putting the right emphasis in the right way? Examine to know. Let's no longer be doubting. Let's, let's know. know. Uh, the Bible says don't be, taught, be tossed to and fro, you know, not having the right doctrine. We don't want to be like a boat that's just loose floating around. No, we want to have something that has a keel and, and a sail that we can steer by. Christ is something you can steer by. He is the captain of the ship. And so let him be captain of your ship. Surrender yourself to him. It's not your spirituality. It's not who you are and what all you've done. It's understanding that you have nothing to bring to Him. And once you repent of your sins and trust in Him, you can have salvation. Salvation purchased by Jesus Christ. Not something that you have done. Purchased by the Son of God who died on the cross, took the wrath of God upon Himself, dismissing all that future judgment that should have been upon you, put it upon Himself, and then He clothes you in His righteousness. And He'll call you an adopted son or daughter. You can be a child of God and live forever with Him. That's good news. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray you've repented and trusted Him today. If not, do so today.